0: hello everyone and welcome to another edition of COVID conversations where each week we talk with the experts on the ever-changing and ever-growing details about the coronavirus and this week we are again seeing a variation of guidelines going away in some places while other jurisdictions are holding firm dc is dropping its covid vaccination requirement to enter certain businesses. California is preserving its school mask mandate as indoor rules for businesses expire. In New York City, 1,400 unvaccinated workers have been given their pink slips for failing to take the shot. The reality is the guidances are changing. Joining me today to help us sort them all out is Dr. Manisha Single. A board certified physician, right here in Washington, D.C. Dr. Single has successfully navigated the front lines of the COVID pandemic, focusing on acute care, mechanical ventilation, and addressing the long term impact of the virus. Dr. Single, thank you so much for joining the conversation.
1: Uh, Mr. Fisher, thank you so much for having me on your show. And there can't be enough voices to speak on this ever evolving. Pandemic that we're in,
0: absolutely. Well, let let us start with what we've been seeing lately. Some would say that it appears that we have turned the corner on COVID. Would you agree with that?
1: Uh, you know, in that term, turning the uh, turning the corner is what we're seeing. It's really waves, and are we, what wave are we riding at this moment? Um, We are seeing some light. We're all able to start living our lives, take those steps outdoors, meet with friends, families, workplace, but to your point, the guidance is all over the place. And I think one of the questions on all of our minds is, how do we prepare for that next wave? Um, And it's gonna be significant.
0: If, as a person who was on the front lines of the pandemic, and and, and you have been now, what are the things that give you hope?
1: Absolutely. Um, I think the hope that I see, despite what the numbers may show, is that patients are surviving. Um, now, survival means different things for different people, but with the advent of the vaccinations with the knowledge that we're gaining through science, we're able to better protect ourselves. And we're seeing that patients and people as they are seeing this virus entering their homes, um, they're they're faring far better. So I I see that now in my hospital and hospitals across the country, the predominant patients we're seeing are those that are having underlying illnesses are being exposed to this virus that's wreaking havoc through their you know throughout their body and are uh, really succumbing to this. So I think um, the hope that I see is the education, the knowledge, all the good work that people are doing to give us the tools to uh, fight this virus to hopefully prevent us from succumbing to the virus. and also how can we improve our internal health? So whenever those waves do come, whether it's COVID or another virus, that we can better prepare ourselves and have this shield so we don't get so sick. So
0: So So what are the things that you're still seeing that are concerning to you that that really bother you?
1: Yeah, I. The people who are really getting sick oftentimes don't realize what they're carrying inside. Right. For the first time, COVID is actually shedding a light on personal health, on wellness. Um, can I answer that question if you don't with a quick little story? Sure. Uh, there's a nurse, you know, at our hospital, and this is a common story everywhere, but this is this is my story, our story. Um, African American in his 50s, relatively good health, maybe a little overweight, right there on the front lines with all of us. Gets exposed to COVID, Uh, thought he can fight it off, got hospitalized. I was on the phone with him literally every day. Unfortunately, he got sicker and sicker on a ventilator and, and died. And I had this conversation with his doctor. I said, look, I don't want you to break any privacy, but can you tell me, can we learn from this? Why did this individual who was otherwise healthy, young, I still consider 50 young being there myself. Um, why did he succumb to it? And he said, you know, on his blood tests, he had elevated sugar levels. Um, and we see this, we see disparities in certain um, communities, definitely in the African-American communities, in, in the Indian communities, my community, where people don't realize what they're carrying. And so when something like COVID presents, um, and they don't have the tools to protect themselves further. I'm seeing those patients largely in our hospitals. But what I'm not seeing, which I saw with the first wave, was just the rampant across the board, any age, um, people to succumb to this virus. So it's, it's it's narrowing down to those who are unaware that they may be carrying some some immune compromised condition. And unfortunately, we're also seeing, and this is a real message, we're seeing people who have not been vaccinated, really being the large majority of the patients, almost 90% of the patients that we're seeing hospitalized.
0: Those comorbidities that we heard so much about in the beginning of the pandemic, based on what you were just sharing, are still an issue. Yes.
1: Yes, they are. They are. Um, but I'm hopeful because I think for the first time I'm seeing people actually talk about, I mean, no one really used the word comorbidity. Mm-hmm. You know, no one really talked about what is autoimmune health, what is the definition of being immunocompromised. Um, I had a young lady who was pregnant, um, also African-American, and she was very fearful of getting vaccinated until her specialist said, you know, let me give you some information. But being pregnant actually puts you in the immunocompromised category. And because there's been so much conversation about what does immunocompromised mean, um, this is unprecedented. All she needed to hear was, I didn't realize pregnancy meant that I'm immunocompromised, which means that I have a higher risk of becoming seriously ill um, and my baby if I get covid
0: You know, we are seeing the mask mandates being dropped. How can people still protect themselves when there are so many people who are just waiting for an opportunity not to wear a mask?
1: First and foremost, education. Um, I think people need to make those decisions for themselves. If they feel that... uh, you know, my neighbors, um, my classmates are not wearing a mask. That doesn't preclude somebody from making their decision to wear that mask. Right. So I think it comes down to to choice. Um, again, knowledge about what have I done to protect myself and those that I love. Um, vaccinations. I, I'm really honing in on vaccinations. I've been triply vaxxed and I do believe in the protective power of being vaccinated. But, um, yeah, I think that with education, knowledge, people can make those decisions. And should a community say, well, look, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. If you personally feel that that mask is going to give you a barrier of protection, you should be able to exercise to wear that mask.
0: Are you encouraged at all by the metrics going down? We are seeing that in... In the District of Columbia this week, the governor of Maryland mentioned it mm-hmm. yesterday, mm-hmm. where he wants the mask mandates to come down because infection rates have fallen b- below four percent. So, does that does that give you some encouragement?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, statistics, trends are important, um, although at the end of the day, it comes down to you yourself. Or you want to be on the right side of statistics and not the other. But yes, those trends are very uh, heartening. And but at the same time, I think we just need to move forward cautiously. So at this moment, we're getting a breather. But it comes down to, again, take a look at yourself. Right. Take a look at your own personal health. You know, ask your doctors those questions. Um, what do I need to know about myself to improve my health um, and be aware so I can be the best that I can should and when the next wave arises? But no, I, I'm very encouraged with that, those numbers. We follow those numbers every week, every day uh, since the start of the pandemic. So at this moment, it gives us some freedom. But again, it's also very community Uh, Focus Right here, locally, we're seeing the numbers improve. Some other part of the country, they may not be seeing those trends just yet. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you think that elected leaders are moving too fast and relaxing restrictions despite the metrics going down?
1: That is a great question. And I can't put myself in the shoes of politicians. I, I, you know, they're getting advice from people around them. Um, scientific, non-scientific, the will of of their communities. That's such a great question, but it's very complicated for me to answer. I think, as a physician, and what I see with my colleagues, um, you know, we just need to have that recipe, that common sense recipe, and guidance from science, and really partner with our patients to give them the tools by which to fortify against the potential risk of not just COVID
0: there's other viruses as well well let's drill down a little bit on that because I think you you know your, your answer it, su- it suggests that as we've heard, a lot of politicians local and even on a national level say they're following the science you and your your contemporaries are the science if i may you 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 live that science from the time you wake up until the time you go to bed you know that that is what you do so do you feel that the science is truly being followed Uh, i'm not a scientist but i would think that the science in maryland is the same as the Mm -hmm. science in florida as the same in California as the same in Maryland. So do you, are they following the the science? I,
1: I think, I actually think it's a mixed bag. I do think largely people are following the science, but it depends on what's going on in their local communities. So as our mayor here in DC, Mayor Bowser has been, uh, and she was just out yesterday, right? She put a mm-hmm. press conference. Um, and she and Dr. Nesbitt presented the statistics of the local communities. How many people have been vaccinated? What are those trends? How does that relate to hospitalizations? How does that relate to, um, comorbidities and, and, and people being able to live that life? And I think they are following that science because they're following the trends. That's the best that we can do. There's no, uh, ultimately we don't have that crystal ball to say if you don't continue to wear the mask, and the N95 masks no longer are cloth masks acceptable. You know, if you don't wear that mask, you're 100% going to get COVID. Or if you wear the mask, you're 100% not going to get COVID. So again, it comes down to what's happening in your community. What are those trends? What is the prevalence? Uh, what is the strength of that virus? As viruses evolve, but um, you know that that's the external factors, the tools. I'm a firm believer on our internal tools as well, right? What can we do as individuals to strengthen our, our own health, right? Again, largely the people that we're seeing now, they're succumbing to the ills of the virus. And even we do have patients who've been vaccinated, who once they're exposed to the virus, they're also getting sick, not as sick as those who are not vaccinated, but there are absolute cases where that's going on. So, I think for me, the messaging that I really want to put out there that what I've seen in my ICU for the last 20 years, and even more so during COVID, is how do we protect ourselves internally, right? Not pre- preventative care, preventative care, which includes barriers, right? When you see in your community that the prevalence is really high. But no, I'm very encouraged. It was, it was, a relief seeing that those numbers are, are coming down. Uh, we talk about this in our medical community here locally week, week on week. And I think, again, it's just education, education, people being aware, being vigilant. If you see somebody who's who's sick, who's symptomatic, you know, that you don't want to carry your mask, you don't want to wear your mask all the time. But If you're in an environment where that risk exposure is higher, wear your mask. Right. If you're someplace where your risk exposure is low, it's OK. You can take your mask off. But, yes, I do think that um, at least locally, I see that our, our politicians and I I wouldn't know. Politicians are as, as wide as physicians. I mean, there's so many out there and you can't be in everybody's head. But I think collectively there is guidance, um, the interpretation. How do we mandate? How do we highly? Uh, encourage people to do the right thing. You know, that, that that that's all over the map. So that's why I think that people need to find a way to have control over their fears, right? Each, what can we do now? We can talk about the statistics. We can talk about politics. We can talk about, you know, whether doctors are leading us the right path or not. And you know, doctors are on, across the whole spectrum. You have those who, who say,
0: you know, you don't need to
1: get vaccinated. Um, if you do, this is how you should do it. Wait for six months at a time. And you have those doctors such as myself that says, no, there is value to being vaccinated early and, uh, you know, with, with some monitoring and guidance, but, you know, what I like to say to my patients and our families, um, and here with you and to your, to your listeners is, you know, what, what can we do today? How can we take that next step forward? We can listen to the politicians. We can say whether we need to wear a mask or not wear masks, but how can we fortify ourselves? So whether we wear the mask or not, we're giving ourselves the best chance for a healthy life, a longer life, a life that's devoid of sickness alone, chronic illness, and also a life that can be protective to those that are around us as well, right? So it's not just being selfish for ourselves, but as you protect yourselves, you protect your families. And your community as well.
0: A final question for you, if you don't mind, take me inside those conversations that you are having with your colleagues, even the informal conversations, you know, the end of the day, your 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 best your best girlfriend who's also a physician, who's on the front lines in Texas or wherever she is. uh, what is you know, what is the thing that you talk about when you're talking about fighting this pandemic?
1: Um, Other than talking about the sheer exhaustion that we were all going through and the burnout and how can we keep charting this path? It really is making sure that the messaging is out there. Um, My colleagues, my friends across the country. In fact, I don't know if I know of any colleague or friend that's not vaccinated. I really do believe in this vaccination. But I do believe also that, um, you know, we're, we're just trying to encourage people to go to their doctors and have that conversation, not just a blood pressure check, not just a blood test. But what we talk about is how can we get people to just sit down and have a conversation and say, OK, what is my health fingerprint? Because we all are, are, are different, right? There's over 100,000 variations to our genetic code. And people don't know that. So what we talk about is, okay. check. We have the vaccination tools, right? Check. We know that we need to use better masks. Check. We're following data, just like the politicians. We're all getting the data from our our scientists and our colleagues Um, so we can ebb and flow in our day to day decision making and how best to live our best life. But the big check is how do we keep that conversation going at the dinner table, in the communities? How do we get those who don't have access to physicians um, or for for checks to see what, what you need to do for yourself in order to be able to withstand whatever comes next? That's the conversation that we're having, is what can we do more? How can we put our voices out there? And that's why I wanna thank you for having my voice to really say that, you know, please get vaccinated, but please also have that conversation with your doctor and say, you know, what makes me unique? What do I need to know in order to make those choices to live my best life?
0: Dr. Manisha Single, thank you so much for your passion and your expertise on this really critical issue. We are We are all in this together. It's not over yet. And... I I thank you for your time. Please be safe. Likewise.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: And thank you so much for joining us this week for COVID Conversations, where each week at 12 noon, we bring you the experts to help us get beyond the double talk and straight to the facts. I'm Harold Fisher. Have a safe and healthy week.